If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Before we go into this week's episode, how would you like to win a free copy of NBA 2K21? Well, with our Level Up Xmas giveaway, here's your chance. We've got two copies of NBA 2K21 to give away, one on Xbox and another on PlayStation. To enter, you'll need to follow our Twitter account at LevelUpPod, then retweet the pin tweet to enter the Xbox draw, or like the pin tweet to enter the PlayStation draw. The Level Up Xmas giveaway competition closes at midnight on December the 21st, 2020. Entry to the competition is restricted to one entry per person. Multiple entries will be disqualified. There will be two winners. One winner will receive an Xbox copy of NBA 2K21, and one winner will receive a PlayStation copy of NBA 2K21. The winners will be selected at random from all correct entries after the closing date and will be contacted through Twitter to arrange delivery. Standard competition rules apply. See mirror.co.uk forward slash rules for more information. And good luck. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. In this week's episode of Level Up, I spoke to Tom Lees, also known as Hashtag Tom. He's a professional FIFA player for Hashtag United and the current E-Premier League champion with Watford. Tom told me about his early days playing FIFA and how he became a professional FIFA pro. He told me about joining Footwiz, moving to Hashtag United, how his career is intertwined with techs, his thoughts on FIFA 20, and how it felt to win the E-Premier League for Watford, the FIFA Esports edition of the Premier League. Enjoy! Tom, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, thank you, Nathan. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm very good. How about you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Looking forward to Christmas now. It's just kind of counting down the days till we get that kind of festive spirit going. But uh, we're going to talk e- everything E-Premier League. But I just want to start from the beginning, if that's all right with you. Where did this kind of um, playing FIFA professionally kind of all start for you? Was it from an early age? You're always kind of talented on FIFA. Um, I would be lying if I said it would be a childhood dream because realistically when I was a child it, it didn't exist it's only really come around in the last four to five years on a on a big big scale since EA invested um, I think the first time I really knew that I had the capability to do it was when I was around 15 or 16 I was in school obviously you always end up playing your mates and stuff like that and I was sort of I kept beating them and I thought okay like I'm obviously decent at FIFA uh, and I always backed myself to, to beat anyone I played really and then one of my friends actually told me about the EA investment uh, into FIFA 17 when they introduced like the global series and foot champions and and basically EA's big investment into esports and how they want to grow FIFA esports as a whole 
And my mate sort of told me how it works, how to qualify in foot champions and things like that. And before that, I'd already started online. I'd seen a few pros already that were in the scene and I sort of was starting to gain an understanding of the scene. And then uh, my friend at school told me, like in, on the weekends, basically play these foot champions games. If you win enough, you'll go to uh, an event, which was actually Paris season one. We're talking like February 2018 or 17 now. Uh, and I managed to qualify for that. Uh, my mum my didn't know that I was doing it or anything. I, I was sort of just doing it on the side whilst I was doing my A-levels as well. It was like a, 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 bit, a bit on the side whenever I was at home. And then ever since then, I qualified for Paris. Uh, I finished top six in the first ever event I competed in, which straight away said to me that I'm obviously good enough to do it if I was top six in Europe. Uh, won the prize money there as well, which sort of my family then realised that actually this is a, a viable way of living and a viable career. And then after my, I sort of had an agreement with my mum that said, if I do my A levels to to my maximum capability, then I'm happy to. I'm ha she's happy for me to explore FIFA esports after I finish them. So yeah, I got my A levels and then and then went into FIFA esports instead. But yeah, it's basically the long way around of how I got into it. Oh, that's quality. So you like you? I'm guessing like you smashing all your mates at school and stuff, and like it's but it's hard to know, isn't it? Just how good you are, like even like amongst your friends group, if you're the best, it's it's hard to kind of quantify where you rank across the whole world, if you like. So it must have been a bit weird for you to when you first started entering tournaments and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There was a few online tournaments I, I'd sort of heard about and played in, and and I think one that sticks out to me is I actually played. The person who was playing for Feyenoord Esports uh, Netherlands, who are heavily invested in FIFA Esports, I I beat him, and he actually reached out to me and said, "Are, are you a professional? You're doing this like for a career?" And I said, "I'll be honest, mate. I, I just play these tournaments on a Tuesday and Thursday if I have the spare time. But if I've got homework, I can't do them. So uh, <laughs> I'm not really I'm not really too invested in it. I'm sort of just playing them as and when I can." And yeah, he reached out to me then. And I sort of from there, especially um, social media, especially Twitter, is the main one. I sort of once you go into a hole of finding one pro, you find the next pro and I'm looking into all these guys and, and doing a lot of research into it. And then I managed to play in these online tournaments and play against a few of them. And then you sort of realize, like, oh yeah, this is, well, if he's earned a living out of this and I'm beating him, then why can't I earn a living out of this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's sort of my mentality. And then, yeah, um, since since that FIFA 17 tournament, um, my first organization, Footwits, were, they were happy to to have me on after I finished school basically because of my performance in Paris but definitely at the time I wasn't I wasn't too aware of it until I'd done it until I'd got into the deep end and played in that first tournament I didn't realize that it was definitely a viable way of of learning and uh and making it a job should I say yeah I know you said before about your your mom was supportive with with the esports side of things but was it was it a kind of um was it a weird conversation the first time you kind of said look I want to do this as as a, I think I could make money out of it. Was it a bit of a weird conversation for you with your family? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be lying to you if I said that they were just like, yeah, straight away, go for it. Obviously, for them, I, I was going in with limited knowledge and they were had no knowledge. No one had ever seen it before. But um, luckily, after I went to Paris and it was sort of just a bit of fun still and I was still at school, uh, I met a good friend there who's still in the same place in Man City, Shells. And he carried on competing uh, later on in the year. Obviously, I struggled a bit because I had my A-levels and stuff and I sort of eased off. Um, but 
luckily them tele- them events were broadcast on TV and it sort of gave my mum an insight of what goes on at these tournaments and how big they are. Uh, it was also very lucky that Shells ended up winning about 80,000 in one tournament. I was like, mum, I promise <laughs> I could do that. I could do that. And she's like, and then she starts seeing it. She thinks, oh, actually, yeah, like this, this works. There's obviously live crowds. There's, there's thousands of people watching. But yeah, I had to sort of, it wasn't like a, a one-time conversation where she sort of just gave me the go-ahead. It was months before I'd sort of been planting the seed like mum well if I do the A levels like can I show you what this is about can I can I at least have the opportunity are you happy for me to do that uh, and it was it was a risk I'm not going to sit here and say that my life mapped out perfectly and I knew that it was all going to go to plan and this is where I'd be now but I just thought you know what I want to take the risk whilst I'm young whilst I'm 18 I didn't really know what sort of industry I wanted to go in properly and I thought if, I, if I'm ever going to take a risk at a young age it's going to be when I'm 18 so luckily my mum sort of let me do it but yeah it was a it was a long-term sort of me slowly but surely talking around sort of thing it wasn't just a one-time conversation I think it shows doesn't it just how big esports and particularly FIFA esports is growing every single year it's getting bigger and bigger if if you maybe had that conversation this year it wouldn't wouldn't be as difficult because you you'd have had so much to go at in terms of oh look at what Tex is doing look what MS Tassari is doing you know yeah look what all the big players are doing but back then it was still kind of up and coming wasn't it the scene yeah definitely yeah it was uh now obviously because FIFA 17 was the first sort of year of EA doing it that's when EA took over and um sort of collaborated with FIFA and that's where the investment came in the first year was I could imagine all around the board was like an experiment for everyone but now there's like proof of We've had, this is the fifth year now. Yeah, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, 21. This is the fifth year of FIFA esports being like this. So to a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old, it's much easier to have that conversation and show all the information and show that there's, now I would say what, there's there's 100 to 200 full-time pros out there. Whereas when I was looking to compete, there was, there was probably no more than 50, I'd say. So yeah, it's definitely easier to get in now and easier to convince people for sure. Yeah, and I mean, from there, I know you mentioned that you joined Footwiz. We had Footwiz Dan on um, a few months ago. Really, really cool chap and really interesting conversation. What kind of, um, what what, what was it that made you want to join Footwiz or was it just like the opportunity came to you and it was just too good to turn down at the time? Um, obviously, Footwiz is a community website, right? It does a lot of the community-based stuff that isn't just pro. And a lot of my mates at school have been using the Footwiz website. So you can imagine like free periods in sixth form where people are building squads and, and telling me what I should use for the weekend. Like, oh, Tom, get him in, get him in. He'll, he'll make sure you win all your games. Um, we'd been using Footwiz a little bit. And I was like, I found a tweet from them and I thought, wait, this is this is Footwiz. Like they're, they're actually invested in the eSport as well. They they pay their players to to represent them. And uh, I reached out to Dan. I, it was the it was a funny email because it must have taken me about three hours to write. I've gone over it so many times wondering if there was a mistake anywhere. And I sort of just, I just reached out to him in about May after the tournament. So the tournament was in February. I reached out to him in May and said, look, you're probably going to think that I'm not that good because I don't actually compete every month. I was like, you're sort of going to have to take a stab in the dark on me if you were to sign me. Um, and he he said, yeah, at the start of FIFA 18, that he's happy to do it, uh, happy for me to go on from there. And that's how it worked out. But yeah, I definitely just, just reached out to him and I thought, you know what, I can't lose anything. If he rejects me, I'm in the same situation. If he accepts me, then my life could change. So luckily that I took that shot. And yeah, I owe a lot to foot with Dan. He, he took me on when he didn't really have to. So yeah, I owe him a lot of credit. 
Yeah, and from then on, I mean, you very quickly after that, you you, you were in the first kind of Gfinity Elite series um, in December of that year, weren't you? But you were playing for Reason Gaming, which but it was still Footwiz, wasn't it, in partnership yeah. at that time? And yeah. then the next thing that you did was the uh, the E Lions, the FIFA E Nations World Cup in 2019 with Tex. I mean, yeah. that was that seems like such a long time ago now, but it's, <laughs> it's only like you know a year and a half ago. Um, what was that experience like? You're not, you're not long in the FIFA scene, and then only representing England. Yeah, in FIFA 18, I sort of I sort of struggled a little bit. Um, I think there's, there's now I know the reasons I failed, but at the time I didn't know that, so I was sort of just wondering where it's going wrong. FIFA 19 came around, started to pick up, go to a few events, and start competing. But yeah, I always say it in in every. Every time I speak about it, the the England gig changed my life for, forever. Like competing with England um, for so many reasons. It, it, I was already friendly with Tex. I knew who Tex was. Obviously, he's like the superstar of the scene. But that sort of just brought us together to the point that we're actually like really good mates now. Away from FIFA, even if even if we weren't playing anymore, I think we'd stay very very close mates. Um, so yeah, being being managing to be on a team with Tex and being around the best in the world is one thing doing it whilst representing your nation is another like this is literally the two best things that can happen for someone that's trying to improve at FIFA and trying to get better at the game um but yeah the main thing about Tex I'd say is the confidence he gave me going forward and England like the backing they gave me as I made that tournament obviously Tex is the favorite anyway but I sort of came in as a as an underdog because I hadn't competed in too many tournaments before that so yeah England having a chance to represent England the confidence they gave me, the opportunities they've given me since, like managing to to film with the first team and film a load of content with them, play for them in the E Nations, it's, it has genuinely changed my life. Because yeah, I've I've spoken to a few FIFA pros, like I said to you before, and like a lot of their careers sometimes are very up and down. Sometimes they go to the highest level and then drop for the next year and then go up again. Sometimes it's very up and down. But looking at your career, it's been like a steady steady trajectory upwards which is like rare in this scene if you like it's it's like steady upwards the whole way like you the, yeah. the way you progress your career and um i was just looking and like we mentioned text before and text comes up a lot in your career it seems like you're kind of intertwined <laughs> your both your careers because your um the bucharest tournament fifa 19 uh, you came second and Tex won it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you went on loan to Fnatic for a bit with Tex. And then you did the E-Nations with Tex. Um, yeah. And then you won the E-Premier League that Tex has won before. So it just seems like your, your careers are just intertwined throughout. Yeah. Um, the, the, the tournament that I finished second in Tex doesn't let me finish. Uh, forget about that. <laughs> but he, he beat me five honestly I'd finally won a tournament I'd gone all the way and then it's like yeah the finals text um, but yeah he's always he's always around I suppose we're such good mates that whenever the opportunity comes to play with each other in a tournament and we normally take it like Fnatic sort of come around because hashtag was a team of three last year it was me Harry and Shuri obviously Club World Cup you need two players and two players only Tex didn't have a teammate at Fnatic at the time and he, he straight away reached out to his manager and said, well, if you can get one person, I want it to be Tom. Um, and I sort of said the same thing to Hashtag when they mentioned it, that if I'm going to have to go out on loan because of the circumstances, like I want to be with Tex. But I think we are just linked in every way because of how close we are now. Ever since E-Nations, we've sort of just stayed very close to each other. We're always talking to each other, always like looking to improve with each other. So yeah, sort of... 
It's sort of, it's a bit of a coincidence at times. Like the E Premier League, the trophy I win is is the trophy he's won, the the Bucharest tournament. But yeah, a lot of the time that we are interlinked or playing with each other is is definitely because we mean it to happen. It's because we want it to happen. I think we enjoy we enjoy the energy that we give each other when we're playing, and we enjoy being around each other. Let's talk about FIFA 20 then, because FIFA 20 was your most successful uh, year to date in the FIFA scene. You joined Hashtag Unite at the start of the year, didn't you? Um, which was yeah. like a massive thing. Um, how did that come about and what drew you to Hashtag? Uh, the Hashtag move come around, I think, coming off the back of FIFA 19, I had a fairly successful year. I finished top 20 in the world, which is pretty decent. And I think Hashtag were, I sort of knew that their policy was signing English players and they didn't have a PlayStation 1 at the time. So people had started to to talk about it, I think. A lot of people, I remember Richard Buckley coming out and he did a predictions of the summer of who's going to go where. And he, and he sort of said, Tom would be the great fit for Hashtag. And I think what happened was Spen, Spen sort of reached out to Dan and just said, oh, what's the terms with Tom's contract? Like, what is it coming to an end? And they sort of had a conversation about that and then asked if he's free to speak to me. And then the second Spen spoke to me and had interest, I spoke, I had a lot of conversations with Wes, who was actually the manager of the esports team at the time. I think when, you, when Hashtag come knocking, you, you don't really need too many conversations. You sort of already know just how big they are as a club, what they do for their players. Um, you look at the likes of Harry, Shuri, Agar, Boras, Ryan, like what it's done to players' careers. I I knew that it would be a right fit for me. And yeah, it, it didn't take much convincing, to be honest. As soon as there was the interest there, uh, I sort of spoke to Wes a few times and that was it. It come around late in the season of FIFA 19. So I obviously didn't make the World Cup. And then after that, after the World Cup had finished, it sort of happened in that month before FIFA 20 was released. Was it weird being involved in like, in a transfer? Because did you feel like a bit of a footballer at that time? Like the players, <laughs> like like a team's approaching you, and because I mean that must have been a bit of a weird feeling for you at that time. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, me me reaching out to footballers, I was the one not begging, but asking Dan to, to sign. I didn't have any interest in me then. And then to have another club come in for you, yeah. I can imagine a footballer's move is probably a lot more complicated, a lot more <laughs> other people involved. Um, but yeah, it, I, I get what you mean. Like people ringing you up, like asking for a conversation, having to having to go through a lot of terms and sort of plan out your next year and, and how is it going to work. Yeah, it did, it did feel a bit strange to me because I've never really had that interest in me before that, to be honest. Yeah, just I mean, it just shows how big the kind of FIFA esports scene's getting. I think we're going to see a lot more of that movement. Obviously, we saw Tex go from F2 to Fnatic, and we've seen like Harry go to Fnatic as well. So I think there's going to be so many more moves over the, the next few years. But um, yeah. I think going to a team like Hashtag, obviously Spence has created like such a movement. You couldn't really call it a company. It's a movement, isn't it? With what he's got going on there. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you couldn't, like like you said, like it's hard to say no to someone like Spencer, isn't it? When he comes knocking. Yeah, realistically. Uh, hashtag are not, they're not your typical team in any sense. Esports team, football team, whatever we do, it's not, it's not normal. That's what Spencer's created. He's, he's created something that is totally different to anything. Uh, online or or in real life, obviously having a non-league team that's literally created on YouTube is is something that I think we're probably the only club to do in England. Um, so yes, yeah, that's that's the draw of it. It's such a unique experience. It's such a a family feel. There's there's so many parts of the organisation that work together to make sure everything goes well. And yeah, what they've created is such a unique opportunity for me to be here, and and I'm loving it. Yeah, and then obviously joining um, hashtag 
obviously coming into 2020, you, we had the pandemic in March, which was like was like mental for everyone. Um, and it's still mental for everyone. Um, it's been a bit of a disrupted year for you, but I mean, from May onwards, um, even with like the working from home and like having the remote play and stuff, you still managed to win the Fnatic UK Masters, the PlayStation side. You finished second in the FIFA 20 Summer Cup series, the the Europe edition of that. And then the big one in August, you you won the E Premier League. So it's not been yeah. a bad, not been a bad year for you really, considering everything that's gone on. Yeah, yeah, I think we were very lucky that um, the hashtag office sort of thing was just left to, to me and Shuri, who were obviously living together. Um, so basically, for any confusion, we, we sort of just been in the HQ, just us two the whole time in isolation and stuff. Obviously, Harry was here when in the first lockdown. Um, and yeah, we sort of, I think that sort of helped, like having Shuri around, having someone else to be around that was really going through the same thing as you. Um, obviously, being in isolation together, I think it massively helped my mental state and made me stay focused really whenever whenever the eye went off the ball Shuri and Harry at the time were very quick to uh, to make sure that I was focused doing things right making sure that I was always looking to win and I think yeah the lockdown period I sort of saw it as a time to, to make something of myself you, you can in, considering what I do considering we can do it from a remote environment um, we sort of had a choice you, you can either not be to invested in it and sort of take a take a step back whilst there's no events and be like okay I'll just wait for the events to come back or you can get your foot down really work I did a lot of work on social media like YouTube and Twitch as well and uh, focused on competing a lot I sort of looked at the competitive year and I knew there was going to be tournaments still going on because EA sort of made it work remotely and um, yeah I credit Harry Harry and Shuri a lot with what I did in that time because they they were the two that sort of kept me focused and and made sure that whatever I was doing that the end goal was still to win a trophy because they were saying like how good I was at FIFA 20 at the time I'd sort of finished top two in Atlanta and top four at Club World Cup so I knew that a trophy was very close I was I was getting closer and closer and they sort of said like you would be silly to to not worry about competing like every tournament you play and you, you've got to be all out and that's sort of what I did and it, and it ended up working all right I'm glad that I did it in the end yeah, let's talk about the Premier League then because it was your your first major win really and I know I've, I've been to a few different esports events and like sometimes the players are very cool when they win and they've got like celebrations planned and you get the <laughs> ear cup and you get some of the fingers pointing but like I was covering the event and I was watching the Twitch stream and all I could I just loved the celebration how natural it was and how you just went crazy because it just showed like I sense a lot of relief from you that you'd, you'd yeah. kind of, it felt like a bit of a breakthrough moment for you. Yeah, yeah, I always get fairly embarrassed uh, looking back at celebration, but I just, I just remind myself that it is just emotion. It was so much work that had gone into it, and particularly on the two days of the semi final and the final, I, I didn't really let out a single emotion. I think if you speak to Shuri, he was, he, he was saying like how calm I was. I was barely saying a word. I was very focused, and uh, it was, it was a lot of grinding obviously the tournament was semi-final and final in them two days and then the rest of the group stage two weeks before so it's a lot of practice that had gone into it beforehand and a lot of seriousness and focus and I think all that planning coming together and and working on the big stage was was why I was so relieved like finally could let it out every time I wanted to celebrate I thought I haven't won it yet don't get excited you haven't won it yet you haven't achieved anything yet yeah you won the PS side but no one's going to remember you if you don't win the cross console you're not going to 
I finished second too many times at that point that I just kept saying to myself that if I don't win, I, I would be too upset with myself. So I ended up bottling all the emotion, like keeping it under wraps. And then when you, when I finally heard it go, I, yeah, exploded. It was a long time coming. <laughs> and yeah, it was great to see. Like It just looked like such a genuine emotion. So it was like good to see that from you. And I think that's like... I know you've got a lot of fans anyway, but I think anyone watching that stream would have definitely just turned into a hashtag Tom fan at that point because just it just you knew it meant so much much to you at that time. I know what you're going to say because already, but did you? <laughs> was there a bit of you that looked at the semi-final between Tex and Marley when Marley won and thought, <laughs> "Oh, hang on." Hang on, there's a chance here, there's a chance. Um, I had, so if I'm right, I had won, I'd won my final, hadn't I? And then Tex and Marley were playing their final. Yeah, yeah. you beat Hammond, I, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'd won my final pretty convincingly and I was very calm and I was like, right. And I, I got to a point of confidence where I literally just said, I do not care who it is, but I'm not going to get nervous over who it is. So I'm not going to watch the game. I actually, I had um, Shory and Sven in the office at the time and they were they were watching the game sort of oh there's a goal there's a goal and I said I'm going in the other room and I'm pretending FIFA doesn't exist for the next half an hour I just want to get away from it I don't want to see who I'm playing because it's not going to help me I sort of thought that if I worry about playing Tex it's just nervous energy eating me up obviously I would be lying no one wants to play Tex in a final right you're not going to optionally want to play Tex because of how good he is um, but either way I sort of felt that when I come back in the room whoever I'm playing I'm going to win that game so I just didn't want to waste that energy of worrying for the next half an hour. I just wanted to focus on myself. But yeah, the, the boys were keeping involved with it. Uh, Shory and Spen were watching it. <laughs> and then they sort of come running in in about the 85th minute and said, oh, Mark, you've got Mark. Mark's won. And I said, no, I haven't. You're lying to me. Like, I don't believe you. I went in, I went in there, checked with a stream, and I was like, oh, wow. Because I was, I sort of got myself in the mindset that it's going to be text. Like I knew it, it was just written for it to be text. But I was surprised it was Mark. But then I was also aware of how good Mark was because he just beat Shuri, who was playing behind me in the semi-final. Yeah. And I saw how good Mark was then. I said, I said to him, "It's not an easy game. It's a cross-console final for a lot of money, a lot of prestige, the Premier League trophy." He's beat Tex. Like, he deserves to be here. This is no different to playing Tex. He's literally just beat Tex ten minutes ago. Like this doesn't change anything. It all comes down to how well I play. But yeah, I, I, in a way I was gutted for Tex. Obviously as a mate, I'd love to play him. But I think my competitive shriek said that I'd rather I'd rather avoid Tex if I can. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you said about Marley, it was like a surprise how far he went. But anyone who actually watched that tournament and how well he played, it wasn't a surprise whatsoever that he made the final because he was just... He was just so good throughout. He was one of the big, the big talking points. Obviously, you, uh, you, you did the damage in the final and won the whole. Tournament, yeah, so. I think, I think um, we had a lot of respect for Mark because me and Shory, obviously, being like really involved, we sort of know like every pro that's playing, and, and we've seen Mark in FIFA twenty. He'd been doing a little bit at, at Foot Champs Cups, and he, he was looking good. And I remember saying Shory in the semi final, I said, "He is not an easy game. This is going to be really difficult." It turns out he was right. Mark played very well against Shory, and I, and I think he deserves full credit. Like he come through a hard, hard bracket. I think he might have beat Gorilla in the quarter final. He's then beat Shory and then beat Tex. Like he fully deserved to be there. And uh, yeah, he, he was a he was a great final as well. Like I've never focused so much in my life for what 30, 30 to thirty five minutes. It was like a chess match where I was sort of trying to play loosely, but at the same time 
you can't ignore the voice in your head that says how close you are, especially the last 10 minutes when he scored. Uh, there's no way of pretending that it's not happening. But Mark was Mark was a very good opponent he, and he deserved to be there. He was he was great throughout the tournament. And when did it kind of settle in? Because obviously we talked about the celebration and what it meant for you, but when did it settle in that you'd actually won it for Watford in an official Premier League tournament? Because that's, that's another level, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would be lying... I, I, if I said it was straight away, because I was living in a bit of a bubble, um, I sort of, <laughs> I sort of ended up, ended up celebrating all weekend, um, and then I must have, I must have slept for a long time on the, on the Sunday or Monday, and then I think as I woke up, sort of took took a few days, probably like the Tuesday, and I sort of drank it all in, and and you get that first bit of time to yourself, because obviously everyone. I'm with Shory at the time, so I'm always with company, and then someone's always trying to ring you or speak to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I don't. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you can imagine when you win a trophy, everyone's speaking to you, right? Everyone wants to uh, congratulate you. But then I think when it slowed down after the weekend, and I'd sort of stopped stopped partying and realised that what had happened, it was probably it was probably like the Tuesday of the week after, where I sort of I think I remember sitting down on my bed and I was just like, "Wow, I actually finally won!" Like FIFA 20 is over as well. There was no other tournaments. So that was the end of the year, and and. It just felt really strange to come out of that focus mode. I've been so locked in for so many months of like, I have to win a trophy. Everything I do is to win a trophy. And then to sort of sit back and be like, wow, like it's it's over for now. Like the season's done. I can just sit back and I've actually won it. Like I fully, I fully won the tournament. It, it sort of, it sort of didn't feel real. I, I, I'd say it feels real, but. Sometimes I look at the trophy and do think like, "Wow, that was that was my work. I did that." It is still a bit surreal, if that if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, d- I definitely get you on that one. Are, are you a Watford fan in real life as well? Uh, I would be lying to you if I said I'm a Watford <laughs> fan. I, I'm actually I'm actually a Spurs fan, but Watford Watford and Spurs are my two local teams, and me and Shory sort of decided that. As, as hashtag, we sort of wanted to represent a Premier League team together as well. So we sort of had the hashtag affiliation with with the team. And we had a lot of links with Watford, obviously, through sponsorships and stuff. And we decided that Watford was a good fit for us. And that um, Shory actually had a personal story around his granddad that was a big Watford fan. He said, yeah, I would actually love to represent Watford. Uh, if the chance come around, I said, "Yeah, I'm happy to to sort of go as a team." Uh, I wanted to I wanted to be with Shory, so because we actually had a lot of things lined up with Watford before the pandemic hit, because we qualified to play for him in February, and we were meant to do stuff with Watford in March as like part of the affiliation with hashtag sort of thing to to sort of like bring the bond together. Unfortunately, we never got around to doing it because of the pandemic. But yeah, I, I'm actually a Spurs fan, but I went for Watford this year and, and it seemed to work out all right. <laughs> that's, I think that's the, the E-Premier League. That's why it's such a special tournament, isn't it? Because you get to represent these massive football clubs in a tournament and you get all the football clubs actually tweeting about it and you get their fans involved as well. I think that makes it such a, a unique tournament. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's very. It's one that a lot of pros look to and say, "Yeah, like that's the one." Obviously, we love winning everything. Everyone wants to win in every tournament. But if you had to say, "Oh, there's one that I would love to be involved in," it's definitely the Premier League. Like the exposure from Premier League clubs getting involved, and and for a lot of people, it is the team they support with. Like the team they support as a kid, it feels pretty surreal. Like Harry uh, represented Everton, Tex represented Liverpool. Like these are people they've been supporting their whole life. Um, and obviously the way Watford got around it as well, they're really supportive of me and Shory uh, with the social media stuff as well. It does feel pretty crazy. And obviously the other thing is that there's also footballers that 
watch the e-premier league because obviously they're, they're that's when they sort of get exposed to it that's when they yeah, sort of yeah. That's the first sort of understanding of, of FIFA esports. And it turns out that I, I think, by all accounts, there's a few footballers that enjoy it. So, yeah, it is, it is pretty it's pretty mad, to be honest. Like, even being involved in footballers, these are the guys that you've you've you've, you've grown up watching, sorry. Um, so, yeah, for, for all of them sort of people to be involved, it, it definitely adds to the, the level of competition and makes everyone want to play in the E-Prem. It's such a special tournament. Yeah, and the thing I love as well is that there's always one or two that sneak through that have never like played FIFA professionally before, but they get through the qualifiers and stuff because they're just so passionate about their team and they're handy at FIFA, if you know what I mean. There's, there's yeah. always one or two that get through and it's it must be so special for them knowing that it's their kind of first FIFA tournament, if you like. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that strength and depth in, in England yeah. as well. There's so many good players that, that haven't got the exposure, but then they come to the Premier League, like I'm looking at Callum from Spurs and Hammond from Chelsea and obviously Marley at Bournemouth, they sort of come through and it's like, these players are very, very good, but maybe it is just the fact they get to represent a Premier League club that, that levels them up a bit and makes them play that bit better. Yeah, and they might not really know the esports scene, but then they obviously they're, they might be a fan of Spurs or Watford or West Ham or whatever, and they think, oh, hang on, there's this FIFA tournament. I'm, a, I'm all right at FIFA. Let's give it a go yeah. type thing. And then they might not even realise what they're getting themselves into until they qualify, that is. Um, yeah. But would you would you recommend anyone who's handy at FIFA, who wants to represent their Premier League football club, would you recommend going and trying to qualify? Yeah, definitely. For anyone that's that fans themselves at FIFA, looking to play against good players, so obviously the qualifying system, you end up playing against basically everyone that wants to represent that club. So if you're looking for, even if you're just looking for a bit of experience of competing, it's, it's definitely the it's the best way of getting in for anyone that wants to play FIFA. Literally anyone that wants to play and represent a club, it's definitely the best way to get in. And obviously the rewards of getting in and, and if you turn out that you can qualify for the for the pro event and the tournaments then that's that's even better right but yeah it's definitely it's really good for what would i say like maybe like the grassroots of fifa esports for the people that maybe are starting or just sort of starting out and coming through it's definitely their way in so i would i would recommend it to anyone just to get involved e even if you even if you don't back yourself as much just to for that experience of like trying to play and represent the the premier league team that you support yeah definitely i'd, I'd echo that anyone who th thinks they're decent at fifa and they want to represent their their premier league football club go onto the premier league website and register your interest and get on it because it's a great tournament but how weird is it that um it was a bournemouth watford final and then not they're not in the premier league anymore this year <laughs> yeah so it's weird how it happened that yeah, i saw i see on the uh on the tweets and stuff because basically it was meant to happen in march right, april yeah and then obviously yeah. the pandemic hit and by the time that it come round, the team's already been relegated. So if it happened in normal time as such, there wouldn't be this thing of, oh, Watford won the E-Prim, but they got relegated because we, Watford wouldn't have been relegated by that point. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a little bit strange, but that's mainly because of the pandemic. It's, it's out of everyone's hands. Like, the event had to be cancelled at the time. And I can imagine how hard it is to set up remotely instead of doing it at the event because you've got to rely on all these different players and having the right internet connection having the right setup equipment making sure that people from home can run the production and things like that i can imagine how hard it was to set up so yeah it's mainly because it got set back to august um and i had a few mates say that how did you win that they're, they're relegated and i had to explain <laughs> yeah, to them that yeah. when when the tournament's meant to go ahead they were in the premier league <laughs> yeah yeah well we'll definitely have a, a new club winner anyway this year so um yeah that, that's a guarantee 
but uh, yeah, just so anyone who's listening who feels like they want to enter, registrations open from 3rd of December, so it's open now uh, until the 15th of January, and then there's on- online qualification starts in January, and then you get the playoffs in February, March, and then the finals in in March, April as well. So get registering for that. Um, just a final one from me, Tom, because we haven't really spoke to any pros since FIFA 21 has come out, and we spoke to a couple of pros about different FIFA titles, about how it's weird with FIFA because like say if you're a professional Fortnite player you don't get like a different game every year whereas mm. with FIFA you get a different a completely different game and a different meta every year and you have to kind of learn the different game if you like so is FIFA 21 a FIFA that suits you do you think for the upcoming season uh, I think I think it can definitely suit me yeah I'm, I'm sort of known as a, a late comer every year I sort of seem to peak at the end of every season but I'm trying to narrow that gap and hopefully dominate throughout but yeah I would say FIFA 21 can suit me it's a bit more attacking than FIFA 20 it's got a bit more goals in it seems to be goals flying in whenever I'm playing in tournaments and practice Uh, yeah it's a little bit strange obviously it's a unique thing in FIFA that every year there is a different meta but what I would say from past knowledge and past performances that I don't think I think there's basic FIFA skills that transfer to every year, no matter how what version comes out, and that them guys that are masters at that, who can then also master the new meta, end up winning. I'm looking at Tex, and like he's adapted to FIFA 18, FIFA 19, FIFA 20. Same for Dasari. Same for many of the top pros. They're literally like the best every year. So I think as as weird as it is, like adapting to a new meta, there's definitely something where if you're good at FIFA you're good at FIFA, if you know what I mean, like, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, um, I'm, it's just interesting to hear because other people have different points of view, so it's just interesting to hear what uh, what you think, Tom. So thank you, yeah. I really appreciate it. And um, obviously, I think there'll be a lot more through balls and counter-attacks this year, <laughs> yeah. which will be uh, which will be, uh, be good to see from just my personal experience. Yeah, uh, that is definitely a thing. There's that's yeah. one thing that's changed big time. Like the that is one thing that takes a while to adapt, and I think the best pros are the ones that can adapt the quickest. For me, it's taken me a little bit uh, longer to learn. Like the the whole through balls and sort of counter attacks really effective, and and the pacing behind is really much better than it was FIFA 20. But I'm just hoping that through watching players through a lot of practice through putting everything in that I've put in every other year that I could end up adapting to it and having another successful year. But it's definitely the meta has changed significantly since FIFA yeah. 20. And just from a casual player's point of view, I don't know if you, you've noticed this, but I, I watched um, Spencer's recent video about uh, the FIFA Ultimate Team stuff, uh, how he doesn't really enjoy the grind anymore, how it's like too difficult. I mean, from a from a casual player's point of view, it definitely feels like there's more... There's The players are so much better now on, for champs and division rivals. Yeah. It's just so difficult. But is that helpful for players like you? Because you don't it's like it's good practice for you in a way rather than being worse for me it's got a better for pro players maybe yeah i completely understand uh i watched spencer's video and and i completely see it from the casual side like i i personally for the casual i think there should be a few more game modes that aren't as competitive because i think everyone loves the competitive game modes in ultimate team deep down like everyone plays them the foot champs the rivals but i think there should be a mix there should be the competitive side of it and then hopefully next year they can add in something that is different in terms of just a more casual mode just for fun people that aren't interested because not everyone wants to be a FIFA, professional FIFA player or an unbelievable FIFA player some people do just want to play for fun so yeah FIFA have definitely gone down the route of more competitive gameplay this year 
and it definitely benefits me because obviously I get to practice against better people all the time. But yeah, hopefully, I think if we can find that balance where the pros can still be the pros and the competitive nature can still happen in FIFA, but hopefully there can be another game mode where for people that just want to log on and, and have a bit of fun, I'm hoping that that's added in as well so we can find the right balance going forward. Yeah, I think I've, I've spoke about it a few times with different guests and I think we'll, we'll get to a stage where there'll be like two separate game modes where it'll be like competitive FIFA and casual FIFA and you'll get yeah. like the esports side of things where there's less like ricochets and stuff because I think that's where it's going, that kind of element of luck. I mean, it must be so frustrating it's frustrating for me it must be worse for you in the <laughs> tournament if like you get a rebound goal or something against you man I yeah it's sort you. of I, I i can tell you i've done a lot of mental training over the years <laughs> yeah. uh yeah. spoke to a lot of i spoke to a lot of people that have helped me with that side because it's sort of you know it's going to happen but obviously you're still going to get frustrated when it does happen so it's sort of like how quickly can you manage that and get it out of the system and go and score instead sort of thing so whenever something bad does happen to you it is, it is I always say that with FIFA is it's, it's a mental game as much as it is about ability it's the guys that can really keep it calm and not be not be sort of phased by anything that happens to them if they get luck or if they have bad luck against them I think that's definitely a major thing and it's something that I would say to anyone that's aspiring to to be a professional or to be very good at the game, mentality is key, really. Managing to keep a calm head in, in situations where it's very easy to get angry is, yeah. is a way of improving at the game. I think that anyone who thinks that eSport isn't a sport just needs to look at that because from what I've seen and what I've, players I've spoken to before, I think obviously you're not running around a football pitch and kicking the ball into the net, obviously, but the things that the things that footballers have, uh, cricketers, professional rugby players, tennis players, whatever, have in common with people like yourself is that the ment- your mentality is there and the ability to perform under pressure, um, in front of crowds, it's the same. That kind of winning mentality is the same for for all athletes and professional players. I think that's what that's what kind of makes people like you, Tex, Dasari, all stand out. So, yeah, for anyone yeah, who I think thinks that definitely. esports is easy, you know, you just need to listen to what you just said because it's it's definitely not easy. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think I could go into a football team. And I'm guessing they have mental uh, coaching, right? And I reckon if we went into the same sort of thing as them, we would have the same practices being applied. It's just physically, I would be. we don't do physical work like they do. But there's definitely an aspect of the, the mental game is, is so, so strong in FIFA. And it's, and it's something that I think people, as the years go on, will will respect and see that, a lot of work actually goes into that side of the game and it isn't just as easy as turning your PlayStation on and and hoping for the best. There's actually a lot of work that goes on before that. But yeah, something that I think esports players have a lot in common with sports players is the mental side of it. We're, We're under the same sort of pressures of playing for lots of money, playing for a team, playing for um, in front of a crowd and things like that. That is definitely things that we can apply to sports as well. But obviously there's differences as well, which I think is what makes it so unique. We're not trying to say that we're we're footballers or we're the best tennis players or anything like that. But there's definitely, it's a different aspect, but it's unique. And I think that's what makes it so good. Yeah. But thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate you chatting to me. It's fascinating to hear about your story and, and what the Premier League meant to you and uh, touching on FIFA 21 as well. So really appreciate you spending so much time with me. And um, yeah, I, I wish you all the best for the upcoming season. I'm sure you'll, you and Hashtag will do well this year. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate that. Thanks, thanks for your time. time.
Thank you for listening to Level Up, the esports and gaming show. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave us a rating and review. You can also follow us on Twitter at Level Up Pod, where you'll find all of our previous episodes and information about how to subscribe. We'll be back with a brand new episode very soon. 